0: Hey ho, let's go. This is 102.3 WHIV LP And uh, you are listening to the Get Check, Get Fit, Get Moving show with Doc Griggs and Dr. Derry. Today, this is I'm, I am, it's just me. Uh, Doc Griggs is away celebrating his birthday, uh, and it's a pleasure today. To uh, have uh, the show uh, to uh, talk about Human Rights uh, Day today. Before we get started, let me remind you all that WHIV is a volunteer driven community radio station. We are able to honor independent voices with your support, so please stand for human rights and social justice by becoming a member of WHIV today. Monthly memberships are flexible, so that could be a dollar, five dollars, ten, twenty dollars a month, whatever works for you. Or represent WHIV with a t-shirt, tank top, fanny pack, or more, which could be found at our online store. Remember, all uh, donations to WHIV and purchases uh, are tax deductible. You can go to whivfm.org and click support or store. Again, that's whivfm.org. Please help to honor independent voices. We are not a radio station with a mission. We are a mission with a radio station end all wars today uh, is human rights uh, is human rights Day, and uh, this is the day that the Universal Declaration of Human Rights was signed uh, by the United nations and uh, I uh, am supposed to be joined uh, with uh, an amazing uh, person who I had on uh, last year uh, and i 'm speaking specifically about uh, miss Rita marin uh, who um, is a doctor of international human rights law, uh, and she uh, lives in Berkeley, California. Uh, and Ms. Rita is, um, uh, is at this point, uh, we're having some difficulty getting her on air. Uh, and so I'm just going to kind of get started with the show and see how far it can go. Hopefully uh, she's able to call in. Uh, if not, we'll just kind of call the show uh, early today. Um, and then uh, we will do what we can to try to get Miss Rita on, on air. Uh, last year, uh, I know that we, uh, I had a lot of really positive feedback with my interview with her. And again, I'm, I'm super duper looking forward to getting her on air today uh, so that uh, we can continue with the interview that we had last year. Uh, And then talk about some new stuff. She wanted to talk about uh, uh, the Secretary of State, Mike Mike Pompeo. So just to get started, let's just say that uh, today marks a special day that the United Nations set aside. That's the 10th of December in 1948 to celebrate the adoption of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. And a great deal of the credit for the Universal Declaration of Human Rights is owed to Eleanor Roosevelt, the widow of President Franklin Roosevelt. By contrast... By contrast, uh, President uh, uh, President Trump's Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, established a new human rights commission this year inside the Department of State called the Commission of Unalienable Rights. And it is being asked to draw up as a short list as possible of human rights and to distinguish between a small core of total unalienable rights as and then Pu- uh, putative rights, uh, as described by Secretary Pompeo. And essentially, what uh, Secretary Pompeo is doing here is trying to whittle down what is considered human rights. Uh, so that you could have oppressive governments uh, like ours, uh, authoritarian governments. And we're seeing authoritarian governments pop up uh, around the world. Uh, certainly we're seeing that in Brazil, what was happening in Bolivia, in Colombia, uh, um, uh, the Philippines, uh, Egypt, uh, yeah, of course, uh, Iran, uh, and then uh, Turkey. Uh, that's just a name just a small few. And by eliminating these human rights, uh, of course, Myanmar. Uh, I just watched a story this morning. On the BBC about um, how was it that a Nobel Peace Prize winner like Aung San Suu Kyi uh, could go from being a peace activist uh, to uh, somebody who will very likely be put on trial for genocidal behavior toward the Rohingya uh, people of of Myanmar. Uh, And so oppressive governments that are are popping up uh, around the world, uh, and and by eliminating what is considered a human right, uh, you are allowing for more oppressive behavior from these governments toward uh, uh, people, especially uh, vulnerable uh, peoples, uh, to uh, get away with behaviors that otherwise in the past was considered human rights. But to continue on, and these are Miss Rita's words, uh, it's too soon to say uh, very much about the new commission's position on human rights. Depending on so much seems uh, to these days, uh, on the direction of political winds blowing inside and outside the White House. And uh, when Ms. Rita does come on air, and I hope that she does, I will ask her uh, uh, to offer a comment or two on the Trump's administration Trump's administration initiative on human rights on the day when people in every part of the globe are celebrating the tremendous achievements by the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. Uh, and so let me just remind you all what what that is. The Universal Declaration of Human Rights is a milestone document in the history of human rights. Drafted by representatives with different legal and cultural backgrounds from all regions of the world, the Declaration was proclaimed by the United United Nations General Assembly in Paris on the 10th of December 1948 as a common standard of achievements for peoples of all nations. It sets out for the first time fundamental human rights to be universally protected and it has been translated in over 500 languages and if i have my math right i think uh that's 71 years ago uh that this has happened so the preamble starts with whereas the recognition of the inherent dignity and equal and inalienable rights of all members of the human family is the foundation of freedom justice, and peace in the world, whereas disregard and contempt for human rights have resulted in barbarous acts which have outraged the conscience of mankind in the advent of a world in which a human being shall enjoy freedom in speech and belief and freedom from fear and want as has been proclaimed as the highest aspiration of common people. "...whereas it is essential, if man is not to be compelled to have recourse as a last resort to rebellion against tyranny and oppression, that human rights should be protected by the rule of law." whereas it is essential to promote the development of friendly relations between nations, whereas the peoples of the United Nations have in the Charter reaffirmed their faith in the fundamental human rights, in the dignity and worth of human persons, and in equal rights of men and women, and have determined to promote social progress and better standards of life in larger freedom." Whereas member states have pledged themselves to achieve in cooperation with the United Nations the promotion of universal respect for and observance of human rights and fundamental freedoms. Whereas a common understanding of these rights and freedoms is of the greatest importance for the full realization of this pledge. Now, therefore, the General Assembly proclaims the Universal Declaration of Human Rights as a common standard of achievement for all peoples and all nations. To that end, that every individual and every organ of society, keeping this declaration constantly in mind, shall strive by teaching and educating, uh, by educating... Excuse me, that was my phone. (laughs) I was hoping that was going to be Miss Freedom. Let me start again. Uh, Shall strive by teaching uh, and education to promote respect for these rights... And freedoms uh, by progressive measures, national and international, to secure their universal and effective recognition and observance, both among the peoples of the member states themselves and among the peoples of territories under their jurisdiction. So I'm going to read uh, some of the articles here, um, uh, as today is Human Rights Day. Uh, In 1948, uh, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights was proclaimed, and uh, here are what uh, are... Uh, considered to be uh, uh, human rights. Uh, According to this document, again, uh, first uh, um, uh, introduced in 1948, uh, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. Article 1. All human beings are born free and equal in dignity and rights. They are endowed with reason and conscience and should act towards one another in a spirit of brotherhood. Article 2. Everyone is entitled to all the rights and freedoms set forth in this declaration without distinction of any kind, such as race, color, sex, language, religion, political or other opinion, national or social origin, property, birth, or other status. Furthermore, no distinction shall be made on the basis of the political, jurisdictional, or international status of the country or territory in which persons belong, whether it be independent, trust, non-self-governing, or any or under any other limitation of sovereignty. Article three. Everyone has a right to life, liberty, and the security of person. Article number four. No one shall be held in slavery or servitude. Slavery and the slave trade shall be prohibited in all their forms. Article number five. No one shall be subject to torture or to cruel, inhuman or degrading treatment or punishment. Article six Everyone has the right to recognition everywhere as a person before the law. Article 7. All are equal before the law and are entitled without any discrimination to equal protection of the law. All are entitled to equal protection against any discrimination in violation of this declaration and against any incitement to such discrimination. Article 8. Everyone has the right to an effective remedy by competent national tri- tribunals for acts violating the fundamental rights granted. Uh, granted him by the Constitution or by law. Article 9. No one shall be subject to an arbitrary arrest, detention, or exile. Article 10. Everyone is entitled to full equality to a fair and public hearing by an independent and impartial tribunal in the determination of his rights and obligations of any criminal charge against him. I think uh, just in terms of gender uh, pronouns, we need to probably update uh, this uh, Declaration of Human Rights. Anyway, moving on. Article 11, everyone charged with penal office has the right to be presumed innocent until proved uh, guilty according to a law in a public trial uh, at which they have had all guarantees necessary for their defense. I'm now changing the pronouns uh, uh, at at this point. No one shall be held guilty of any penal offense of any account or act or commission which did not constitute a penal offense under national or international law at a time uh, that it was uh, committed. Uh, at the time it was committed. Article 12. No one shall, no one shall be subjected to arbitrary interference with, uh, with their privacy, family, home, or correspondence, nor to attacks upon their honor or reputation. Everyone has the right to the protection of the law against such interference or attacks. Article 13. Everyone has the right to the freedom of movement and residence within the borders of each state. Everyone has the right to leave any country, including their own, and to return to their country. Article 14. Everyone has the right to seek to enjoy in other countries asylum from persecution. Article 2. I'm sorry, article, continuing with Article 14, this may not be invoked in the case of prosecutions genuinely arising from non-political crimes or from acts contrary to the purposes and principles of the United Nations. Article 15, everyone has the right to a nationality. No one shall be arbitrarily derived of their nationality nor denied the right to change their nationality. Article 16. Men and women of full age, without any limitation due to race, nationality, or religion, have the right to marry and to find a family. They are entitled to equal rights as to marriage, during marriage, and as well as its dissolution. Marriage shall be entered into only with the free and full consent of the attending spouses. The family is the natural and fundamental group unit of society and is entitled to protection by society and by state. Article 17, everyone has the right to own property alone as well as in association with others. No one shall be arbitrarily deprived of their property. Article 18, everyone has the right to the freedom of thought, conscious, and religion. This right includes freedom to change their religion or belief and freedom either alone or in community with others and in public or in private to manifest their religion or belief in teaching, practice, worship, and observance. Article 19, everyone has the right to the freedom of opinion and expression. This right includes freedom to hold opinions without interference and to seek, receive, and impart information and ideas through any media, regardless of frontiers. Article 20, everyone has the right to the freedom of peaceful assembly and association. No one may be compelled to belong to an association. Article 21, everyone has the right to take part of the government of their country directly or through freely chosen representatives. Everyone has the right of equal access to public service in their country. The will of the people shall be the basis of the authority of government. This shall be expressed in periodic and genuine elections, which shall be by universal and equal suffrage and shall be held by secret vote or... uh, um, or by the equivalent of free voting uh, procedures. Again, if you're tuned in, you're listening to 102.3 WHIV... L.P.F.M. Uh, My name is Mark Gallandary. This is the Get Check, Get Fit, Get Moving show with Doc Griggs and Dr. Derry. Doc Griggs is out uh, today, uh, and uh, I am uh, acknowledging today, Human Rights Day, uh, by reading the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, which was signed on this day on December 10th uh, at the United Nations General Assembly in Paris in 1948. Uh, which, again, according to my back-of-the-envelope math, I think was 70, 71 years ago. Uh, uh, today, I am supposed to uh, have on air uh, Miss Rita Marin, uh, who has a doctorate uh, in international and uh, in human rights law. Uh, she's in Berkeley, and I am having a hard time getting in touch with her, so I'm going to continue reading uh, just a few more paragraphs here of the Declaration of Human Rights. Uh, Article 22, everyone uh, as a member of society has the right to social security and is entitled to realization through national effort and international cooperation and accordance with the organization and resources of each state and the economic, social, and cultural rights indispensable for, his, for their dignity and for the development of their personality. Article 23, everyone has the right to work, to free choice of employment, to just and favorable conditions at work, and to protection against unemployment. Jeez. Everyone without any discrimination has the right to equal pay for equal work. It's hard to sit and read this and think about how far back uh, our own country is. We haven't even signed in uh, um, the Equal uh, uh, Amendments uh, Act here uh, and... It's unbelievable, even in our own country, how uh, uh, how uh, men and women, um, uh, certainly uh, uh, how uh, uh, white uh, versus communities of color, uh, and uh, how we have un- unfair and unequal. Um, pay, depending on gender and, and racial ethnicity. Everyone who works uh, has the right to just and favorable remuneration, ensuring for themselves and their family an existence worthy of human dignity and supplemented if necessary by other means of social protection. Everyone has the right to form and to join trade unions for the protection of their interests. twenty four. <laughs> Article 24, everyone has the right to rest and leisure, including reasonable limitation of working hours and periodic holidays with pay. Jeez. Everyone has the right to standard uh of living adequate for the health and well being of themselves and their family, including food, clothing, housing, and medical care. Oh yay, we have Rita. Okay, hang on a second. Let me see if we can make this happen. Hello, Miss Rita?
1: Yes, it is. I'm sorry. (laughs) How are you? I'm okay, I'm awake. I get. I guess you called me. You must have, and I didn't hear.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much. You know, I've actually we started the show. I'm so glad that you were able to call in. Um, I actually was just wrapping up. Uh, I have just read the entirety of the uh, of the human uh, of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. And before yeah. before we get started, I just I was just really struck more than anything else about how our current society right now and certainly in this country has failed in so many respects uh, just from things as you know guaranteed um, the idea of, of equal pay for equal work uh, the the idea of, uh, of uh, starting uh, and being able to partake in trade unions and so many so many other examples but I, I just wanted to one just kind of welcome you on board I wanted to read your introduction to to our um to our listeners. And so uh, Rita Marin's two feet are solidly planted on both sides of the deep line that runs between academia on one side and civil society on the other. Straddling that line, Rita, who is trained as a doctor of international human rights law, emphasizes the strength of that body of law and means for nonviolent, positive social change. She's equally at home in universities around the globe from the University of California in Berkeley to Sarajevo's University in post-conflict Bosnia to Jakarta's University of Indonesia as she is with grassroots civil society and non-governmental organizations like the United Nations Association and Doctors Without Borders as well as Amnesty International that dot the globe today. So welcome to WHIV. Happy Human Rights Day. Rita, it's such a pleasure to have you on board.
1: My pleasure and apologies, uh, gross apologies for being delayed by my deafness. Sorry.
0: that That's okay. Um, We're just happy to have you here.
1: Ha- happy, happy, happy Human Rights Day. It was a struggle getting here, and uh, it'll be a struggle going on. The struggle intensifies. So, um ready to, ready to roll when you
0: are. Sure. I mean, can you just take us back uh to uh 1948 uh or at least kind of, you know, your your uh kind of understanding of what happened and maybe give us a quick little history about how the human rights uh d- the the declaration was first signed.
1: Yes, okay. The the government at that time, uh, this is after the um death of course of President Roosevelt. And his wife, Eleanor Roosevelt, who was an extraordinary person, about whom we know not quite enough, but she was assigned by the State Department of the U.S. government at that time to be the U.S. representative to the United Nations. Now, mind you, at that time, the United Nations was vigorously, robustly supported by the United States, that is, its very foundation. When it uh, when it came into existence, it was actually in San Francisco, where the UN Charter was signed. The Charter brings the United Nations into existence. Here we are three years later. It's not 1945; it's 1948, and the president has um, uh, changed. Well, the president, Roosevelt, of course, died in 45, and here is this brilliant woman who has notions about the the importance, the dignity of the human being, which was not in governmental policy up until that time. You realize countries dealt with countries um, before the foundation of the U.N., and they never gave um, a a real look at the uh, worth of the individual human being. So what we're looking at is a really quiet, silent revolution. That is, when governments had agreed that they would pay respect and and count the individual as a subject of what was happening in international relations. It was a real revolution. But Eleanor, as astute as she was, having formed a team to look at what are basic human rights, can there be such a thing? There are those then and today who doubt that there can be such a thing as basic human rights. And here we come into an interesting situation at the current moment when Secretary Mike Pompeo has uh, started part of the U.S. government tracking down what are basic human rights. Do we think they can exist? That question was answered in 1948. It took a lot of effort on the part of Elva Roosevelt and her team made up of of a French jurist, René Cassin, of a Chinese Confucian scholar, Peng-Ten Chang, and a Lebanese Christian, um, uh, all of whom together, uh, the four of them, worked on putting together the answers to the question, what are basic human rights? And here is Mike Pompeo in 2019 and onwards, tackling the same question, but why is he tackling it? What have we got here? We have a question of whether, in fact, the U.S. government can rewrite the notions in the Universal Declaration, giving prime, prime importance to the individual human being and her or his right to exist When the Universal Declaration actually came into existence in 1948, this was at the UN when the General Assembly voted to adopt it. And we have photographs of Eleanor Roosevelt, who was a delegate to the United Nations at that time. We have photographs of her sitting in her seat at the General Assembly knitting. And I can understand this. I'm a knitter myself, Mark. And uh, sometimes in order to control... For nervousness and so on, you can find um, uh, a good uh, a good escape hatch, as it were, in keeping your hands busy. So she knitted her way through the first vote, through the voting on whether the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, which I'll call the Declaration for the purposes of our call here today, whether it could be adopted by countries. Were countries going to actually afford the individual the right? As um, as a, a grand offering, to have rights. What are you? What are universal rights? Well, nobody had ever said that there was such a thing. So this team of four of four brilliant individuals wrote to scholars, teachers, um, um, professors out, um, um, around the world. The questionnaire went out. From the team of four that Eleanor formed, saying, what are basic human rights? Can there be the same human rights for someone who's living in a frozen country in the Arctic as the same as for um, a, a peasant living in the Alto Plano in Peru, for example? What would, how could they possibly consider human rights to be basic? So each, each of those letters that went out, the questionnaires got returns and by the way they're in a book and a book is available in, in, in certain libraries certain certainly in Berkeley at the university library the answers came back and um, they were put together by Eleanor and her team of four and they determined to call it they didn't even know what to call it they called it international human rights to begin with, am I going on too long no,
0: about no, 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 no. Please continue, Rita. No, no, no. We're, we're enjoying this very much.
1: Okay. So when the answers came back and they put them together, They um, there were only 56 nations in existence at that time in 1948, forming the United Nations. They polled them. It, be, it was adopted by the UN General Assembly that there is a document called the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. And it was adopted on December 10th and that's that's the grand moment when around the world today people and governments and whether they're dissidents or oppressors or the people enjoying the benefits of rights they come together on this one day to recognize that this was a change in history a quiet revolution when the individual was granted the idea Of rights. Now they don't come without a lot of work. You you know that you have rights, but whether you can actually lay your hands on them. For example, you were saying about, uh, I think, trade unions and uh, trade unions having a right to form, and uh, people having, excuse me, the right to defend themselves and to um, to be actors, to be agents against. Uh, their governments, not just quiet pawns being moved around. Right. Well, if you look, if you look at the paper, at the paper, uh, the headlines, the, and and our internet news, you'll know that the achievements that we we human beings are all over the globe that we apparently made between 1948 until until now that those are not respected as much today as they were when they were brought into existence. People are oppressed, and we have come to know that if a child is sleeping in a bedroom and, and is wakened by rodents, uh, that there is a lack of rights right there. It isn't just the right to vote and to run for office and so on which are called civil and political rights, but the actual deprivations brought about by poverty um, and the inability of many human beings around the world to live in some protected form and to give that protection to their children is weaker, I think, and I think you might agree with me, weaker today than it has been for a very long time. We were making progress, and it's been um, slowed—terribly slowed. Not just by Trump, certainly by Trump, but not just because and since uh, the president, uh, President Trump, occupied the White House, it's been happening. At least since the time of Nixon and Watergate, right. yep. that governments have—and our government—have been shoving our misdeeds.
0: Under the rug. I I agree. I I was going to say, Rita, I was going to say I agree. And in fact, I usually point to uh, Buckley v. Vallejo, uh, which was the Supreme Court uh, ruling uh, that happened, I think, in 1973 uh, under uh, 72 or 73, uh, of course, during uh, uh, President uh, Nixon's uh, presidency. Presidency, and just to kind of remind you, because I think the point that you're making is, uh, and I and in almost in every lecture that I give, I talk about Buckley v. Vallejo uh, because what it essentially did, and and I think you'll agree with me on this uh, point, is that what we have seen, and in light of what you were just talking about, about children waking up uh, in in uh, in in the middle of the night due to rodents maybe scampering uh, through their bedroom or even on top of their beds, really showing a in uh, highlighting a fact of, of extreme poverty that we see here in the US, that we put corporations' rights in front of people's rights. And Buckley v. Vallejo was the Supreme Court uh, ruling that essentially gave corporations uh, personhood, which is absolutely ridiculous, and, and uh, in that we allow corporations to have the same rights as a human being. And, and as you say, I don't think that this is something that started uh, with President Trump. President Trump is is nothing but a, uh, a symptom uh, of the disease. In that, and to me, uh, that, again, started with initially the uh, uh, Buckley v. Vallejo uh, ruling, again, which gave corporations personhood. And then, of course, uh, in under the Constitution of the United States, uh, the uh, uh, First Amendments, uh, if corporations... Are our persons, then the corporations should enjoy the same rights as, as, as persons, and therefore they should have First Amendment rights. And of course, corporations aren't really people, so how do corporations speak? Well, they speak through the use of money, and that is how money has uh, completely uh, uh, retarded our our politics uh, through, of course, uh, campaign donations, legalized bribery, and then, of course, in 2010, uh, with the um, uh, with the Supreme Court uh, uh, ruling of, and I just I I always seem to space out on it when I need it. Uh, that allowed for unlimited amounts of un- unlimited amounts of money uh, to be uh, to flow into our our political system. Uh, again, highlighting how, uh, and and I would like your comments on. On this, Rita, uh, before we turn over to uh, the Secretary of State and some of his absolutely ridiculous comments that he's been making as well, but just your thoughts about how is it that we got to a point where we allow corporations to have greater human rights than actual people?
1: You know, when Greta Thunberg, the uh, 16-year-old from Scandinavia, came across the Atlantic in um, a power boat. I'm not good on this. I, I don't understand. But she, it, it was a solar she came across on a boat that was sun-powered. It was solar-powered, uh, yes. And, and when she turned to look at, uh, to talk to the people at the United Nations and kind of said, I won't, I'm not even trying to be exact, but she said, you folks out there, you can't keep saying we young people are going to take care of it. You brought this into existence and you've got to work with us to stop it. It wasn't the easy uh, pass-off, that pass-along that people are tending to do these days uh, was saying the young people will take care of it. They're concerned. And Greta Thunberg knew that, yes, the young people will be working with us, but we have to all, all work together. We have to get our our, 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 our duffs off the couch, stop being couch potatoes. We have work to do. And she wasn't uh, slow to to point that out, which doesn't make her terribly popular with a whole range of people who would rather think that they we've brought about this wonderful world and now the young people will take it over. I regret very much that my children, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren are not facing the same opportunities that I did because we're aware that we've let um, the, well, the uh, scientifically speaking, the, the noxious um, exhaust of this planet are, are turning around and, uh, cutting off our access to clean air and, and light, and we've got a, a huge problem. But we agree that it isn't brought about by one person. It's brought about, as Greta Thunberg would have said, by ourselves. And if we have to pick up and, and clean up this terrible situation we're in. It was the climate change situation is enough, is enough of a sticker in itself to, to make us all sharpen up and do something each and every day. Every, t- every time we wake up, we've got to be working on trying to control the, um, the, the, the toxicity that we're facing in this world. Sorry to take off on that, but that too is a, a part of the human rights situation that everyone is entitled to a safe environment the de- going back to the declaration, it named all these things, but it didn't guarantee that you could have them unless you put some work into it, and that sense of responsibility I think was has has been absent from our politics the the responsibility of the individual, but I'm going to not get too preachy here, back to what you were saying.
0: You can please go ahead. No, 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 Rita. It's always a pleasure. Please preach. The listeners at WHIV here in New Orleans and around the world uh, love uh, uh, conversations like this. So please, we don't hear it enough, the The mainstream media. I, I, I have not seen one, uh, and I'm a voracious reader of the news. Uh, I have not seen one article. I have not seen uh, one uh, social media post. Not that I'm a big social media person. But I have not seen anything about Human Rights Day uh, at all, uh, despite it being such an incredibly important day, so despite that, the declaration uh, it protects all of our rights, and yet... You know, it's you know, it's impeachment, it's Russiagate, uh, it's all the other things. Uh, I, I will say, in light of what you were just saying, I was struck yesterday by a news report that uh, said that there are pockets of the ocean that have lost up to twenty percent of oxygen. I don't know if you've read that uh, or not, but I was that that to me is incredibly shocking. That number is just extraordinary, and it do, it does bring to me a great amount of concern of, of where we. Are uh, going and again, it 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 really kind of shows how uh, we have allowed uh, corporations uh, to dictate our our future, uh, and instead of uh, putting uh, people in front of profits, what we have seen are profits now uh, before people at all cost.
1: You know, this is <clears throat> um, um, I'm I'm going to blow the horn once again about Eleanor Roosevelt's Um, brilliance, she foresaw in 1948 that governments would not necessarily be happy about turning over part of their power to individuals. Um, This goes along with the need of the individuals to be educated and the fact that in this country education has taken such a back seat that the U.S. has gone from being top of the heap among international states around around the world to being 40-something on the list of how we educate our young people. As, a, as, a, as a, an instructor at the University of California, Berkeley, for over 20 years, I was able to see, um, see palpably the young people coming in to the university from high schools, generally speaking, uh, were less well-educated year by year. They had more of a problem... Uh, sorting out which was the Vietnam War exactly, and was that connected to the Korean War, and why? Why do countries still have to look at such questions? They had not been educated in their in their elementary schools and and their upbringing, as you know, and it's truer today than it was 20 years ago. Uh, not been well educated, where. Um, that's part of an uh, individual. That's Article 26 of the Universal Declaration, if you don't mind my uh, touting that. It's the right to education.
0: Right. That's and right. It says, everyone has the right to education. Education shall be free, at least in the elementary and fundamental stages. Elementary education shall be compulsory. Technical and professional education should be made generally available. And higher education shall be equally accessible to all on the basis of merit.
1: We make a wonderful team. You (laughs) type that in there. (laughs) Just Um, exactly right. And she knew that this would not come. Eleanor is the she I'm referring to. That this was not going to come easy because it costs uh, money. And um, you have to get a a government to agree to uh, have a budget for this. And since I've been teaching, uh, going back to... 30, thirty years ago, I must say, um, students are less well educated and when our one of our justices of the Supreme Court <clears throat> excuse me Sandra day O'Connor uh, retired from the Supreme Court oh, it must be about ten years now since she has left her retirement state her her statement stepping down from her chair on the Supreme Court made note of the fact. That education was lacking, especially in civics. It's an ancient word, I mean ancient in, in terms of how old some of us are, who took it for granted that we would learn in school about our government, how it works, what we can do as part of it, and our responsibilities as well as our uh, privileges. There was a, um, an early riot in Los Angeles in Watts, Oh well, gosh, that was a long time ago, Mark. I think
0: I think uh, in the late 60s, I think 1968, yeah. I think.
1: And we watched with fascinated horror as the cameras rolled in watts for the first time, watching people smash windows of stores and steal whatever was available, and then claimed that some of them said, we are entitled to this. Well, you know, in a funny way, everyone is entitled, but you've got to do something different about it if you're going to, for, for there to be a tomorrow. If you use violence today, tomorrow is, is, we're wiping out tomorrow's future. So the human rights involved in in the Watts uprising have been intensified, as we very well know. That plus this strange belief that if you let people have guns, they will not use them. And the uh, tragedies that we've had happening in schools all over this country over the past 20, 25 years have been notable in ignoring one basic fact. It is um, a bullet from a gun that kills. And if we don't have the gun and we don't have the bullet, people will be uh, at least one degree uh, up from facing uh, death and destruction. There's no other way to put it. Well, we're doing the same thing with climate change now. We're ignoring certain basic facts about it as if we can wish away the things that are happening that we have brought about and scientists at um, in every country in the world have agreed on facts, but the uh, government of the United States is holding itself separate from scientific knowledge. Again, thanks to Greta, we know that uh, we have to really acknowledge what our responsibilities are. I hope you agree with all this.
0: I, I, I do. I just wanted to kind of just put a point in one thing, that the Watts riots happened in 1965, and, and again, uh, I, I would also just kind of add that the Watch Riots happened as a result of, of structural violence, uh, and generational, uh, uh, I'm um, structural, structural, uh, poverty is what I meant to say, as well as generational, uh, poverty. Uh, and so I just wanted to kind of just put that there, uh, that the structural racism that exists in our society, I think, are one of the main reasons why we see these outbursts, uh, of, uh, uh you know, the, I've heard it once said um, that uh, if you put a pillow on somebody while they're sleeping uh, uh, over their face in a in a choking maneuver, uh, that's that the person sleeping is going to respond by trying to push that pillow off their face so they can breathe. And I heard that very eloquent analogy in light of an academic talking about how the people of Palestine are responding to the oppressive fifty one year rule that the uh, uh, that. Uh, that the horrific, uh, Israeli government, right wing Israeli government, uh, has been, uh, uh, suppressing, uh, the, uh, the Palestinian people. Of course, there's going to be a response. And so I just wanted to put a little point in that with the, when we see some of these riots occur, they're really largely happening as a result of structural racism in this country, uh, and then, which of course leads to structural, uh, uh, violence as well as generational violence too.
1: Well, you know, growing up in in this country, one tends to have a a favorable bias towards civil and political rights, that is, the right to be able to run for office, the right to vote for someone in office, and so on. But you need the education behind it before you can make sense out of it. We haven't had it, and we do have in office now um, the... um, Uh, I I don't like to say derogatory things about a person, but certainly the office of the president is not living up to the duties and responsibilities that are in our Constitution. And this Constitution of uh, of ours acknowledges that when an international treaty such as the UN Charter comes into existence, It becomes part of our domestic laws once it has been adopted by the two-thirds vote of the Senate and it's gone to the president. So along came um, Eleanor with this notion of rights and uh, some would call it a misbegotten sense of uh, uh, people's privileges that they're entitled to. Well, the the idea is there. The concept is there. But um, Eleanor Roosevelt knew that countries would not easily give up any part of their power. So she called for the Universal Declaration. It's just this historical note I want to establish for your audience. She called for the declaration to be not a treaty, but a simple declaration of the UN. That means that countries adopted it in a very positive way and a hopeful way, but it gave no rights to anyone. She intended and this is what has come about, that there would be international treaties. Now, treaties are binding law. When a nation signs a treaty, it is the same as when you buy a house and you, uh, you sign the deed and the contract. You own the house, and it is, it, it's part of uh, the, the legal structure of the country, the rule of law. She knew that countries would not agree to give these rights, and so she called the Universal Declaration a declaration, and that means that it has to be further enacted by laws and treaties that came about after that, which has happened. And the U.S. government has been, at many, most points at the beginning, a very vigorous and uh, uh, enthusiastic supporter and proponent of the protection that human rights can can and must afford to people. But, you know, to be as politically astute as she was and to know that as high-minded as Franklin Roosevelt and um, the leaders of the uh, victors of World War II uh, that put together the United Nations, that they would... Um, not necessarily continued to be in agreement. Well, she was so right. 48, 1948 was probably the last year that the Universal Declaration of Human Rights could have been adopted, because after that, the Cold War broke countries down into more questions of opposition about what are rights. And that's where we come forward, unfortunately, to what's happening in our U.S. government today. Yeah, you're, I think you're talking
0: about Secretary of State Mike Pompeo.
1: I am getting back to my P- Pompeo and just being um, really shockingly aghast at the difference of attitude towards the rights of the individual, in fact, towards the well-being of the individual. Today we are seeing a, a, a possible direction by our government The notions that are in There are 30 simple notions in the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. You read one about the right to education, but it covers all of human existence, really. A result of having asked scholars and religious um, and academics around the world, what are human rights? And then saying, here's what they are. Now, having this declaration in place, we go forward and, and put it into legal terms. Um, those in, in this audience who are not keen on knowing too much about how law works, you're not going to get a lecture on law. You're simply going to know that if you come to a red light and you stop, you're obeying the law. If you go through the light, do you necessarily get a ticket? You may get away with it. Does that mean that the law is invalid? Does that mean that the law should be removed. Um, the the red light uh, as a, a kind of symbol, uh, an everyday symbol of what rule of law comes down to, is, is worth, I think, reminding people and saying that we've got to do something to give it strength because it's not going to happen on its own. And in point of fact, when we are being led by people who have material gain as their main objective rather than the world the well being of the individual, we've got a, a, a tougher fight on hand. Now let's get down to what the struggle is about. Do you agree we could look at some things that would would change things for the better?
0: Yeah, I, I just wanted to just because uh, I I think it's so important, just one more point with this uh, and if you can just give us one more uh, uh kind Please. of, yeah. yeah, yeah. Just one yeah. more point regarding um, uh, Secretary Pompeo's uh commission that he has started, and I just wanted to highlight an incredibly uh, important point: is if they are getting rid of uh, these uh, unalienable rights, uh, who then gets to decide what an unalienable right is? Uh, so, Secretary of State Pompeo put together eleven folks; uh, these commissioners. Um, Come from backgrounds uh, grounded in religious freedom issues with known opposition to LGBTQ and reproductive rights. There's only three commissioners that are women and only two of color. There's no representation of the LGBTQ immigrant, indigenous, or disabled uh, communities. And to me, this is so incredibly insightful from the government's perspective as to what they are trying to do. And I started the show by talking about uh, this commission and how they are actively trying to reverse what is considered a human right so that we are moving further down a path of authoritarian governments. And I just wanted to know if you could just comment on that.
1: Well, yes, I, I'm happy to. But, you know, the, <clears throat> you pointed out rightly what the, how the commission is, is being – how the seats are being filled on this commission called the Commission uh, Unalienable Rights Commission. We're not quite sure what it means and how it will all work out. But what we do know is that a new approach is being taken unilaterally, as usual, by people uh, in the United States, all the people you named – with and without their variations as to gender, um, race, and, and religion, and so on. Regardless of that, they're all from the United States. Whereas the Universal Declaration of Human Rights was put together by people of the world. It's as simple as that. We can't. We're, we're usurping the, the importance that we have given to the fact that every human being born is entitled to all of the rights named in the Universal Declaration if he or she will just get off his or her duff and and go to work for it. So we're we're, we're back where we started unless we know that we have some means of regaining the ground that we've lost. Um, I think today there are civil society organizations. Doing fantastic work and I just want to say that for me the solution lies in the direction of seeing a problem and seeing which organization the a problem that relates to human rights seeing which organizations are active on it for example the Sierra Club or the Environmental Defense Fund if you're looking at the climate or Amnesty International, and uh, everybody uh, is aware of their right to not be oppressed and is doing something about it through the organization. Um, whatever your interest is, whether it's climate, scientific, or cultural, um, religious, the religions of all worlds are united in Absolutely requiring that people understand their right, their inalienable, inalienable right to have a place on this planet that's safe, that's protected, but they must, we all must now do much more about it than we've done in the past. Choose your organization is my answer to this. When my students want to go um, to Make a journey to India or some remote country where there are tremendous populations that are at risk. Um, I just remind them: please go doing the work with some organization that has got a handle on this. Don't don't try to tackle it tackle it on your own. We're not all. Um, uh, Greta Thunberg, I'm afraid. We haven't got that, uh, charismatic approach to having the, um, the people of the world watch what we have to say. We must be doing it together as civil society. We are going to get back our position of dignity and integrity in this world by actively working for it. And if we, I, I think my for myself that's the uh way that we must go is united on on, on these questions. That's I think what you were uh coming to also.
0: Yes. I I, I you know, this morning as I was looking for articles and uh, uh and trying to find something about human rights uh day today, uh in recognition of the signing of the declaration uh, in nineteen forty eight on December tenth. <coughs> I I came across somebody who I used to admire for many, many, many years. I had posters up in my office, uh, uh, and I'm speaking specifically about Aung San Suu Kyi. And, uh, and oh. how, oh. and I just wanted to, yeah. <laughs> sorry, we're, 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 coming toward the end, but oh. I just wanted one or two minutes from you about how somebody who I'm sure you probably admired her. Uh, this is a Nobel Peace Prize winner. Oh, uh, how did somebody of such incredible, uh, stature, uh, and really an inspirational figure for people all over the world who care about human rights who, uh, uh, now may be facing, uh, uh, you know, and hopefully does go to trial, uh, For genocide of the Rohingya uh, people, uh, which are a Muslim minority in Myanmar, and as they've been pushed uh, over uh, to intolerable and implorable uh, settings uh, in Bangladesh uh, and just horrific camps, of which rape uh, is being used uh, as a form of intimidation and a weapon of war against the women of uh, the Rohingya women, all under the watchful eye of Aung San Suu Kyi. So, your thoughts on that before we wrap up?
1: Yeah. uh, we have to accept that we're human beings. We're terribly fallible, I'm sorry to say. Not you and not I, certainly. <laughs> <group of. laughs> but really that we have to go on because the, what we have done is create another couple of generations who are growing up not knowing the, the kind of safety feeling that um, governments are respectful of rights, could afford to their citizens. Uh, When we put 5,000 kids who were assembled uh, on the um, Texas-Mexico, US-Mexico border, take 5,000 kids and send them off in the night without tagging them, without giving them numbers, without considering their basic right to be protected by their family and by their government and send them off we don't know if they'll all ever be reunited with their parents. We've got lawyers working on this down at the border these days. You know that. So when you mention an Ang San Su Kyi, we can only say that that the fallibility of the human being is not going to change. I could never explain what's happened in 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 terms of her apparent change of. Um, of uh, practical application of rights for her for her country and as they, that affects the rest of the world. We go on just the same. We put together voluntarily our organizations. A I was just at an um, um, annual meeting of the American Civil Liberties Union, the ACLU, which celebrates Civil Rights Day every year around December 10th. And um, you know, there are people who are younger and um and i hope much smarter who are getting together and when you look at the diversity of the crowd at amnesty meetings at aclu meetings at doctors without borders what they're doing you think the the beauty of the human being yeah. continues yeah. to exist and the- we ha- must give it just the fullest play that we can thank you rita we,
0: thank you rita so much we have 10 seconds left i just want to say thank you so much and thank you for everybody tuning in on whiv today is human rights awareness day and we are community radio dedicated to human rights and social justice thank you all for listening thank you rita I'll